Welcome to All Ears, Senior Living Success, where we talk with industry leaders to make sure you find success in your community. My name is Matt Reiners, and I'm the co-founder of Eversound, a company dedicated to improving quality of life for older adults by giving them the gift of hearing. Welcome back. My name is Matt Reiners and I'm the co-founder of Eversound, a company dedicated to improving the quality of life for older adults by giving them the gift of hearing. Today, I am joined by my friend, Alyssa Tag, the Association Director of the National Association of Activity Professionals. Alisa has been the president of the same association and has held various activity professional and association executive director roles over the years. I've gotten to know Alisa over the years in our partnership with NAP and her energy and zest for life in addition to the activities profession is inspiring. Thanks for joining me today, Elisa. Thank you, Matt, for having me. I'm so excited to be on this podcast with you today. I am just thrilled beyond belief to be able to spend a few moments with you and talk a little bit more about the activity profession. So I appreciate this time. Of course. And whatever we can do to give light to this, because I think it is the most important piece of a successful senior living community. So I'm excited to jump into this with you. Yay. So, Elisa, what does the activity profession mean to you? Oh, that's that's such a big question, Matt. And as I thought about this question, I really wanted to put a lot of information in that I think a lot of people are just going to gloss over and maybe close their eyes and go to sleep. <laughs> but what I wanted to point out is that we have to first define what activities is in order to get to the profession. And activities can really be defined as either leisure or recreation. And I think that's really important too to focus on the fact that activities really refers to whatever we're doing, anything that we're pursuing, any endeavor we're, we're working towards other than the ADLs that we do. That is something that's gonna help us to enhance our sense of self-worth, our well-being, everything of that. And so ADLs would be like your bathing, eating, toileting, and transferring for those that may not know what that looks at. But the profession itself then focuses on that individual by providing programming and services that's going to meet the well-being and enhancing their physical, cognitive, and emotional health. Because the ultimate goal that we have as an activity professional is to help residents get well, to live well, and to stay well through non-pharmacological interventions. That's kind of been our biggest guiding light, I guess you could say, over this last several years is to really bring innovation, technology, Eversound, you know, all of these, all of these resources into play that can help with meeting the meeting the needs of the residents that we work with, the people we serve. Love it. And you've yeah. kind of talked about how it's evolved over the last couple of years, but I'm I'm even more curious because you've you've definitely have you know been an activities professional, um, you know, been doing this for a few a couple of decades now. And I'm curious how you've seen it evolve even over the last few decades. Well, you know, it's interesting because the activity profession really came into, I guess, understanding in the 1970s. And so I think it's quite interesting to think as we go back 50 years and determine, you know, what was the cause of why activities became so vitally important. And when you look at that, you know, we were known as the birthday, the bingo, and the Bible study ladies, you know, because it was mostly women that did that. But really since 1987, 
is when the evolution began. And that's when, you know, the need for quality of life really set into play. And that evolution began by the nursing home reform, as we called it back then. And it showed the need for more person-centered care. So that was something that really came into play is to look at the dignity and the independence of the people that we work with and how can we as the activity profession provide that quality of life. So as we've evolved from the 1970s or really from the 1400s when activities were first you know, uh, discovered to today has been amazing to look at everything that we've been able to accomplish you know, between our, our pioneers that, that created the profession back in the 70s to now where we are today and being able to really meet the needs of that individual. And that's, that's important, you know, is looking at individuality. And that's one of the things that I'm a big proponent for. I was a big proponent for that in the 90s when I first started in the industry, you know, and really looking at how can we really meet the needs of the individual. And that's done in so many different ways. It's not just done by a bingo a birthday party or a Bible study. Now, obviously those are great activities and they're, they can be very successful events, but I think it's also important that we look at other aspects, the emotional well-being of individuals, you know, their cognitive functions, what is their physical decline? How can we empower them to do more? And I think that's an important process of how we've evolved. Yeah, no, I love it. And it's, it's really interesting to hear you talk about like this person-centered care approach has been going on for a while because I feel like some providers are just thinking it's like a new concept over the last few years, which is obviously false. So it's really yes. cool to see, you know, how activities has been, uh, you know, one of the pioneers and really trying to drive to that, you know, that purpose, that person centered approach and the individuality uh, mm -hmm. to that. Um, and I'm curious, you know, what misconceptions do you think the senior living industry as a whole has with the activity profession and, and their role within the community? <laughs> I love Loaded question. I, I, I laugh because I think the biggest misconception is what does the activity professional truly do? I think that's the biggest misconception. You know, many professionals believe that that's what we we're just the fun people. Yay. You know, we have the parties. We dress in costumes. We, we look ridiculous. We decorate carts. You know, we make fools of ourselves. We stand in front of in front of our audiences all the time and, and make ourselves look like fools. Hence where the bingo birthday party and Bible study thought process probably came from is that we are here to have fun. And yes, we are here to have fun. But in actuality, I believe that what we provide is 20% fun and 80% of paperwork. You know, we do so much paperwork compliance to meet that person-centered care approach. And we really want to tailor to the individual needs and promote their choice which is gonna maximize their abilities, right, and independence as much as possible. And so to, to get to that point, to, to get to the fun, we have to really conduct a comprehensive assessment to really know that individual. You know, it, it digs beyond deeper, like, do you like music, right? That's like probably one of the questions that we ask often. Well, yeah, of course I like music, but you didn't ask me what genre of music I like, you know, or you didn't ask me who my favorite band is, or. You didn't ask me how many times I've seen Def Leppard in concert. You know, I mean, so we're looking at all of these things, which, by the way, is probably in the double, triple digits at this point. But um, and I'm going again in September. We'll just plug that in there, you know, with the <laughs> stadium tour. Right. But looking at the, the process, though, of really understanding, you know, the, the individual 
as a human being and looking at that holistic approach. And obviously, depending on what care setting you work in, it's going to depend about how much paperwork you need to complete. You know, as, as they go into a higher level of care, like skilled nursing, they may have to look at now planning, a, doing a care plan. You know, we have to put a plan of care together and then even digging deeper into the MDS, which is known as the minimum data set, which is like a formalized assessment tool to help us better understand the individual needs too. And then we have all these variety of evaluations that we have to complete, spirituality assessments, smoking assessments, you know, friendship groups, mental health, everything that we're looking at. And that's why I like to say, yes, we have fun. However, comma, we have to do all of these things too in order to recognize and understand who the individual is and who we're working with. And I think that's the biggest misconception that we find is that people don't think about that part. You know, we, they think that we're just out there having a good time and it's easy <laughs> and it's yeah. not, you know, it's super not easy. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've seen that too. So, and I'm sure you, you're part of it, the activity directors, Facebook group that we run, that's got close to 12,000 of them. And just seeing kind of like that overall tone and feeling it, it I always feel for the people, right. Where like, they're kind of looked down upon, unfortunately, from others and just thought as the people that are having fun, but they're really doing so much important work behind the scenes. It's not really, you know, that And my hope here is to help bring that to light, but it's, it's just amazing to see that. And, uh, yeah, sounds like who, I mean, paperwork is never fun either. So, uh, um, I've never met someone who enjoyed doing paperwork. I take that back, maybe one person. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it's, um, and I, I think, what one of the things I've noticed in the industry too is like there's definitely been groups prioritizing like their activities program um, and showing how that helps with business outcomes. And I'm mm -hmm. curious from your point of view and from your experience, you know, how does this successful activities program help with the overall business outcomes that every community is looking for? You know, there's this phrase that says when the residents are happy, everyone is happy. And I think that is the key to really having successful business outcomes is having successful programs and being able to provide, you know, opportunities to effectively market your community through your programs. I mean, communities are a dime a dozen, especially, you know, I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. I think we probably have 60 communities between skilled nursing all the way down to assisted living. So there's a lot of options and there's a lot of choices. So what's going to stand you out the best, right? We just had a community that opened its doors a couple of months ago around the corner from me, less than a mile away, and they have the big banners and flags out front. And one of the things that they're advertising is they have a bocce ball court. They have a pickleball court, you know, things like that. So we're looking at lifestyle. And I think that is such a key concept, too, is that when the individuals come into our communities, no matter what our level of care is, it's a big change for them. You know, it's a definite change. And we are the ones that are going to continue to provide that lifestyle that they were able to pursue prior to becoming a patient, a resident, a guest, how, whatever you call them in your community. And as activity professionals, that's our responsibility to educate not just our residents and their family members, but also the staff. You know, you talk about, you know, misconceptions, and that's one of the key things that we can do is to educate the importance of quality of life. Why does it matter? Why do we individualize programs? And what services are we bringing to the forefront to help, you know, cater to the success of the operation? Because that seems to be the thing, you know, people only can control really two things of their life when they become patients or residents in our communities, and that's their food and their activities. And so those are the two things that they complain the most about because the other things they can't, they can't, you know, they can't control their health. 
They can't control the fact that they're sick and they can't care for themselves anymore, but they can control the things that they can still control. And when we have activities that are providing, you know, excitement, that fun factor that comes into play, people are going to be excited to be a part of your community. And I think that's going to help with the business outcome aspect too, is really looking at inviting having opportunities, having the the things that, that people want with the technology, having those abilities to do that. You know, there was a several facilities that were scrambling back in, you know, March of 2020 that didn't have even, they didn't even have Wi-Fi connectivity in their communities. And that was a detriment, you know, having the ability to have all of those key things that everybody's looking for. You know, we're going to want Wi-Fi to watch stream The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones or whatever we're watching these days. We're going to want to be able to do that. And when when I when I began this, you know, I said if residents are happy, everyone is happy, and that's going to be the key concept is to be ensure that quality of life is being instilled, and that's going to help with the business outcomes. Yeah, it seems common sense, you know, like it's and, and that's why I always struggle when I when I find communities that aren't prioritizing it or aren't putting the money into it that that department deserves because like. I think, you know, I'm definitely newer in this industry than yourself. I've probably been in it, you know, five or six years. I didn't really understand it before I, I jumped into it. But I was always amazed, like there seemed to be this push for like a better dining experience, right? And like you kind of hit on it. If the food sucks or if the activities suck, you're going to hear about it. So there's this major push for better food, better dining experience, farm the table, which is great. That only takes up what three hours of the day, maybe four hours of the day. Like, what are we doing for the other eight? It just feels like we kind of have our, our priorities. We're, we're not thinking about our priorities correctly in terms okay. of like the magnitude of impact that we could have on one's well-being. Right. Um, Cause like, you know, the food always tastes a little bit better when the social is there, when the social component is there, mm -hmm. or maybe there's a few drinks, who knows? But uh, <laughs> of um, and I think one of the things that you know, if I put myself in the operations hat or the the finance hat is like, you know, they think about these ideas of like, what's the ROI of something, right? Like, what's my return on investment? If I put so many dollars in, what can I expect out? And I'm curious, like, how do you put an ROI on like the activities profession or this idea of quality of life? Yeah, this is a challenge because there is no funding for it. You know, I mean, you don't get any, if you work in skilled nursing, there's no reimbursement for activities. So that's the biggest challenge is, is getting, getting administration, getting corporations to m put money in so that they can see that return on investment, you know, making those, those, you know, key measuring key performances. So this is where quality assurance really comes into play. And I highly encourage activity professionals who are listening or whoever's listening, let's create a good quality assurance program to show why the activities program is such a great benefit to have in your community. You know, first of all, it's a requirement. So let's look at it this way. Okay, it's a requirement that has no, no return on investment really financially, right? So we look at this, so why would we even put any money into it when we can't see any effective outcomes coming from it? But I think it's really important to do these quality assurance to show the community this is why we do this. This is why we have these programs. I mean, I just I just did a virtual tour of the Thrive Thrive community in Kentucky. I don't know if you've heard of this, Matt. It's amazing. They have every single piece of technology equipment that you can think of. They did the tour of their smart house that they have. Everything is is set up there. They had they had Eversound, they have Rendever, they have all of these virtual reality, they have everything you can think of, you know, that's available 
for use for, for our individuals that are aging. And, you know, obviously we go home, we get excited, you know, like ever sounds a great product. You know, I love what you say about helping people to hear, um, like your biggest thing is silent disco talking about that, you know, having a great party with our residents, allowing our residents to hear. So the TV's not blaring full blast and, and we don't have people say, what did you say? I didn't hear you. I didn't understand. Those are things that are important with the return on investment. And, you know, when we complete regular studies as activity professionals, again, this is that documentation part, you know, takes a little bit of time to do that. But when we complete a time study or when we complete, you know, a quality assurance or we go out and conduct surveys with our residents on the things that they want to have, that's when we start to see change happen because quality of life matters, right? And, you know, as I said already, if residents aren't happy, then nobody's happy. And so we have to look at how we can look at ways to create opportunities for that quality to occur, because when that happens, the residents become happier, they're gonna tell their friends, or they're gonna tell, you know, the families are gonna tell their friends, oh, you should move mom or dad or aunt or uncle into this community because my mom or dad or aunt or uncle is here and they are having a wonderful time. The food is great. They get choice, they get selection. You know, they can have fresh fruits, they can have vegetables. Um, I know a lot of communities have started using their own gardens and, and serving from the garden. And of course, then we have regulations and compliances that come from that. And so we have to be following all of the policies and the procedures, like depending on, you know, your level of care, you know, the higher, the higher level of care you are, the more heavily regulated you are. And so looking at ways that we can help with engaging the residents and showing why this would be a successful endeavor. You know, why Why would Eversound be successful in our community? Okay, well, let's do some research on it. Hey, guess what? Eversound's already done some amazing research on it. Let's pull that up. Let's bring it into light and let's talk about that a little bit more. And this is what could be happening in our building. And this is how the ROI could be improved. Yeah, I love it. I think, you know, again, I, I go to the, the idea of common sense with this stuff, right? And I think you and I uh, are on the same page with that. And I think it's just continuing to bring that to light for others. Cause like, yeah, happy residents, right? That, you know, I, I grew up with the saying, happy wife, happy life, which of course I practice that day in and day out. Uh, she can hear me through the wall. So maybe she'll yes. disagree. Uh, but it's like this idea of like, if residents are happier, they're gonna be healthier. They're gonna be around longer. They're gonna tell others about the success they're having. They're gonna tell their kids who are obviously having other conversations with people who might be, you know, looking at options for their own loved ones, where it just feels like, you know, this quality of life, like that should be the reason why we're all working in these communities to begin with is, yeah. you know, we, we call it senior living to have a better place to live, right? You're not stuck at home living by yourself, just watching Judge Judy on repeat, which is probably what I would do. Um, but it, it really, it, it just seems like one of those things that if you can get, if you could do like one of those things, right, of course, from the care component, making sure everybody's safe, but like really just enhancing that overall quality of life, um, seems to be the ticket, or at least I think that's what we're trending towards at least, or at least mm -hmm. I hope. So uh, yeah. it's just amazing to see. Yes, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and my last question for you, I always like to ask this to everybody, but if you could give, you know, senior living, other senior living providers, the industry as a whole, just kind of like three guiding principles as they're looking into the future, uh, what would you say to them? So first of all, I would say you need to set and foster your own standards and follow standards of your of your field of practice. You know, we're all we're all about a competency based 
community now, right? We need to be fully prepared to do something. And setting the standards then first shows the reasons why they need to be fostered. And we start where we are and we move forward. You know, and I think it's really important too, you know, as, as you mentioned, I'm the association director with the National Association of Activity Professionals, and we set forth professional standards for the activity profession that are utilized in the federal regulations under TAG 658. And these standards really show the competencies needs for activity professionals across all the continuums of care. So it doesn't matter what level of care you work in. For the last five years, I've had the opportunity to work in pediatric skilled nursing. That was a complete eye-opener change for me. So my second one is education. You know, so when I began in the profession in 1985, things were very difficult then. You know, it was very different then. We had residents that smoked in the building. You know, we had the smoking section over here, but it was not divided by anybody else, you know, and there was the dining room right across the pony wall where the smokers ate, you know, and but activities we provided then were successful because they met the individual needs of the residents then. But you know, here we are almost 40 years later and a lot has changed, right? And if I continue to be in my profession, I need to you know, change. Everything that I did then in 1985 is not appropriate probably for today in 2022. So and I would not be good at my job if I never took the time to educate myself. I'm a firm believer of continuing education and learning something new so that when I engage in my profession, I can create new opportunities. And so I encourage all professionals to do that. It doesn't matter what, what profession you're in, having the continuing education is important. Obviously, that's much easier today with technology that we've been able to watch so many webinars. I mean, I probably completed in 2020 over 200 hours of continuing education just watching webinar after webinar. But I'm also firm, I'm a firm believer in live education. You know, we had the opportunity a couple weeks ago to be together in person in Minneapolis at our national conference. It was our 40th anniversary. And I learned that we need each other. That's really important too. Having the ability to network and learn from one another is probably the most beneficial thing that we can do. So I'm a firm believer of continuing education. So when I you know, took the time to learn about pediatric skilled nursing, I had to educate myself. I had to look at different things and figure out what quality programs would be beneficial for a young child who may be dealing with fetal alcohol syndrome or autism or anything, you know, car accident, whatever the case may be. And my third one is to find your purpose. I think this is such an important process too. Through uh, obviously through setting and fostering your professional standards as well as your continuing education, it's gonna help you find your person. And like you said earlier, Matt, I've seen so much negativity on social media from individuals who are unhappy at their job for a variety of reasons. And that needs to change. So when you find your purpose, you find joy that comes in providing that quality of life. And I think that is really important too. When we lack knowledge, that's when we lack joy. And I think that is such an important thing too, is to really find what our purpose is. And I think, you know, my, my purpose is really to create moments of joy. And I think that is really a successful thing. And this is, this is a lot easier, obviously, than done, said than done, right? Because we overlook so much when we focus on the bigger picture, but everything that we do, everything we provide should have a purpose. And I think that's really important. And when we have purpose, we have joy. And then if there's no joy, then we need to look somewhere else for it. And I think that is key too, that we have to be supportive of one another. And if we don't find purpose or joy in what we do, it's okay to look, look elsewhere and find that purpose and joy because that's what life is all about. You know, if you're not happy in your life, 
you're not going to have the purposeful life that you that you want to enjoy. And there's going to be no fun. And I'm all like I said, I'm all about fun. And so we need to find the fun, find the purpose and find the joy. And that's going to make us better professionals all around. I love it. We got to give you a microphone to just smash on the ground after that. But uh, <laughs> um, I'm I found this conversation super, it was super hopeful. And I'm, I'm just so thankful for people like you in this industry to help drive this activity professionals, you know, roll forward. And I actually identify as an activities professional in my own heart. I think if I wasn't starting Eversound and, and doing all this stuff, I would definitely be an activities professional. So thank you so much uh, for joining us here today. And uh, it was an honor and a privilege. Thank you, Matt. And you are one of our greatest cheerleaders. And I really appreciate you and all you do in the support of the profession. You are, you are an absolute joy to have. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. If you'd like to know when we post the next episode, make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you're interested in how Eversound can help improve the quality of life in your community, find out more at eversoundhq.com.